Hello, Raptors fans. We've got another episode summarizing another brutal week. and But this is a special episode because Gavin is making his return. Welcome back, Gavin. How are you doing? Hi, uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm happy to be here. I got a little hot under the collar at one point earlier this week, and I just had to come on. I mean, we're a quarter of the way through the season, so I feel like it's a good occasion to be on the podcast. Absolutely. Welcome back, Ben. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. You know, this Raptor season isn't quite going the way we hoped for, but persevering is what I would say. Persevering, unlike the Raptors, they had a one and two week. Uh, Let's quickly run through the games here. Uh, Thursday night, the Raptors managed to beat the Milwaukee Bucks, the defending champions. That sounds great until you realize that the Bucks were on the second game of a back-to-back and they decided to rest Giannis. We don't need any of those caveats, Aaron. The East runs through Toronto. (laughs) Absolutely. So they won 97 to 93 there. But... Some of the players that the Bucks were playing, I, I can't even pronounce their name. Sandro Mamakulesavishu. Like, he didn't look this that guy? Bad. Who? Yeah, he looked okay, but like, who is yeah. this guy, right? And yeah. you know, it's just there. Bobby Portis played thirty minutes. Like, oh my god, this Bucks team. Brooke Lopez is out maybe forever with back surgery. They just signed Demarcus mm-hmm. Cousins. Like, they their depth is an issue, and and that showed in this game. What did you guys think? Yeah, this was a really impressive performance from specifically Fred Van Vliet. He really carried this Raptors team to the victory. I thought he was making right plays on defense, on offense, like just doing everything that it took to win. And they needed every ounce of his greatness because even with with all the injuries to the Bucks, the Raptors are probably still a worse team than them at the end of the day. Like, I think we kind of got lucky with this hero performance from Fred because outside of that, it was offense was a struggle. Scotty Barnes was the other player that really shined in this game on offense. Scotty's hitting threes now, Aaron. I think he heard your slander that he couldn't shoot. He's shooting, baby. <laughs> that is. is one of the biggest, like, things I noticed this week. When you look at some of Scotty Barnes' shooting numbers in all three of these games, they're great. And it's on pretty high volume, too. I think another player that deserves some shine in the Milwaukee game, though, was Pascal Siakam. I mean, through the first three quarters, he kept them in it. He was the one who was driving the offense. He was finding Fred. He was making advantages on in the half court, which is something the team desperately needs. And on top of that, he was also playing center around the rim and doing a lot of help defense when Scotty Barnes was inevitably getting just blown by around the perimeter. Yeah, and for this game, yeah, no Kem Birch again, so that means a lot of precious minutes. And... I mean, this is going to be a theme for this week is the Raptors' depth. Gary Trent Jr. missed two games. Ken Birch and OG missed the entire week. And it's just like, yeah, so many of the Raptors' starters are are unavailable and that puts people into uncomfortable positions. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Even in the Pascal, game, yeah, go sorry, ahead. Ben. Even in the game with Gary Trent back, he still wasn't really there. He shot three of 16 and yeah. just yeah. looked like he was a little bit too in love with his fadeaway jumpers. Like he, his shot selection was not ideal. Yeah. Gavin, going back to your Pascal Siakam, yeah, he, he was doing some good stuff on offense. He also had six turnovers and he fouled out. So it wasn't, it wasn't all great. No, I do think, though, just. Some of these Raptors players, especially when you're missing Kem Birch, like it puts and OG Ananobi, it puts a lot of pressure on Pascal to defend the rim because For sure. right now, especially like Scotty Barnes isn't a great help defender in a lot of situations. He often kind of looks a little lost out there, in my opinion. You can probably and, drop the help there. 
He's just yeah. not a great defender. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll talk more about that later on. But I think Pascal had a big load to carry on that end of the floor on defense. And I was just really pleased with what I saw from him. Yeah, there were some turnovers, but he was kind of running the offense those first three quarters before the foul trouble really sunk in. And he was kind of the main person on defense defending the rim as well. And I, I just like seeing that for him. It looks like his confidence is going up. Yeah, I think that his confidence is definitely there. And he's a lot of times taking the right shots. And like he, he's just he's just in such a difficult position because he's overtaxed as a player. Yeah, like they're asking absolutely. him to do too much. And and so it's hard to shine in that role. But he is he's doing what he's being asked to do. And he's doing his best at it for sure. I'm kind of sad that, you know, like Pascal comes back and OG gets injured right away. Right. Because it, this team could be really interesting if Pascal was playing well and OG was continuing to do what he's doing and Fred is doing the stuff he's doing. Like, it, they could be a strong team. Like, they, I think they could be over 500, but just the injuries kind of coinciding in this really awkward way has left our team really wanting in a lot of, in a lot of places. Yeah, I would be really curious to, like, I really wanted to see how OG and Siakam with OG's growth on offense would find ways to complement each other this year because like neither of them is a leading man, but if they can draw attention away and like take a defender and then give the ball to the other guy, like let them exploit a mismatch. That's what the Raptors need to do, but they just haven't been able to, because they both haven't been healthy at the same time. And I, I feel like they could complement each other, but they could also not because OG's not a great passer and kind of just does a lot of one-on-one stuff. And I don't know if he would actually improve Siakam's game, but I'd be curious to see at least, because I think that really matters for their long-term future. Like, does Siakam have a long-term role in this team? If if him and OG can't play really well together, then probably not. Yeah, I agree. Let's dive into the second game of the week. The Raptors lost the grudge match against the Memphis Grizzlies, and John Morant was out for this game. And they lost 98-91. to And I'll, I'll, spoiler for the next game, the Raptors lost to the Celtics 109-97, to meaning they didn't score over 100 points this entire week. And the Grizzlies are, I mean, statistically, they're the worst defense in the league, but I thought they had a pretty good defensive game against the Raptors. I think it had maybe having John Morant out helps with that. But uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. had a really nice game. He had the highest plus minus on the team. But uh, to me, this is about the Raptors offense and them their complete inability to score against this vaunted Grizzlies defense. What did you think, Ben? Yeah, the Raptors kind of stink. A little bit just like I Jaron Jackson just destroyed the Raptors with like five blocks on defense and Fred didn't have a spectacular game he only had 15 points and if Fred isn't rolling it feels like this team just doesn't get off the starting line like their offense they don't have anyone else and in this game Gary Trent Jr. was also out so there isn't a lot of scoring punch like we're starting Sfee and then Watanabe and Malachi Flynn and Ben are coming off the bench. And our bench has been horrible this season. Like we are last in the league in bench scoring. And <laughs> with how hard offense is for this team, just getting no help off of the bench is suboptimal to say the least. Yeah, to very much to say the least. And I, <laughs> I think, I mean, it feels like Jaron Jackson Jr. got more than the five blocks he did. And those were all on Pascal Siakam drives where he thought he got by him and then just got erased. 
which that's a little deflating if you're it's a really tough matchup for pascal i feel like jared in this game like this was the the form of jared memphis fans want to see i mean yeah and for pascal it's tough i mean this is a player where he doesn't have a size advantage and the speed advantage he has is minimal at best so jared's just a, a nightmare for the raptors in general i think when they're trying to get to the rim yeah, for sure. And for the rest of the Grizzlies, Desmond Bain had a really nice game. He got 23, 5 of 9 from 3. It felt like the Raptors left him open way too often, given the lack of spacing that was out there for the Grizzlies. And Dylan Brooks had a really rough game, but, you know, he's still he, he's still a good defender. So, yeah, I don't know. This this game was super depressing and made me want to, to kind of press the tank button because losing to the Grizzlies without John Morant is just... Like that's disgusting at home, at home, you know, like the Raptors were well rested. It's just such a sad loss. Yeah. I mean, we are without three starters in Birch, OG and Gary Trent, but just having Fred and Siakam as our two, two of our main guys and losing to the starless Grizzlies is very depressing. I don't know. This is probably, this is the, yeah, I agree with you, Aaron. This is the game where I was starting to feel like it's time to blow it up and just hit the tank button. Just start. Before we talk about blowing it up, let's, let's go to the last game. (laughs) Yeah. The Raptors, the Raptors lost the Celtics. Uh, You might think Jason Tatum had a good game, but he did not. He was two of 16 from the field, eight points. Uh, Still had a subtle positive plus minus, but it was really the Celtics bench that, uh, that played well here. Yeah, Tatum, I guess it's probably because he plays with the uh, the bench a lot. And, I mean, the bench for the Celtics really just crushed the Raptors. I mean, if you look at the plus minuses, most of the starters on the Celtics are actually negatives. But their bench players are all 11 plus or more. Some of them even getting up to 23. Like Josh Richardson had a great game this game. And uh, the Raptors just couldn't do anything. I mean, they shot a terrible percentage. They were stuck in the men on offense. They forced a bunch of turnovers, but it didn't seem to get them the points that it they think it should. I mean, that's the strategy we're playing here on the Raptors. And uh, it was a hard game to watch as a Raptors fan. <laughs> a common thread. Yeah. yeah. It always feels bad when Ennis Cantor freedom is destroying you down low. He had 10 rebounds in 20 minutes. And just the Raptors stink. This is the moral of the story here. Like Jalen Brown was also quiet in this game. And like Marcus Smart always, I feel it. I, my perception of Marcus Smart's shooting ability is so warped because of watching Raptors games where he just hits back-breaking threes against us so consistently. And in this game, again, down the stretch, he, he hit a few dagger threes that just buried the Raptors. And I don't know. This guy just always brings it against us. There was a moment there in the start of the fourth where I thought the Raptors could get, make it close, you know? Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And then Marcus Smart just ripped our hearts out. <laughs> <laughs> he always does this. I hate him. Uh, it's tough game. Yeah. The Celtics shot uh, 31 free throws in this game, and, mm-hmm. and no one had more than six attempts. So it was just, I don't know, the Raptors were, were fouling them like crazy. And yeah, I don't know. Boston's a better team, especially with the amount of injuries that the Raptors had. So not surprising that they lose this game. So it's, it's really more the uh, the Memphis game that was that was brutal. And then, I mean, the Milwaukee game was honestly brutal as well, even though that was a win. Uh so maybe we should quickly talk about a couple of other things before we talk about the bigger thing, the bigger big picture discussion where should the Raptors blow it up? Should we, should we start tanking? Uh, Goran Dragic, Goran Dragic, he is, uh, he's gone from this team. He's 
back in, I think, Slovenia until he gets uh, bought out or traded. He said goodbye. Uh, thoughts on this, Gavin? Um, I don't really care too much. I mean, he wasn't playing anyways. I don't know. To me, though, the disappointing piece about this is that I think I it leans me towards thinking he's going to get bought out instead of traded, which just seems so unfortunate for the Raptors because, I mean, he's Goran Dragic could still help a team. He's obvious. He'd be a great backup point guard for a team. Everyone knows this around the league, but I mean, we're just not going to get anything for him now. And that's just kind of frustrating in my mind. Maybe they'll make a trade, but that would be surprising it, for me. It's tough because he has a $20 million salary, right? And that's, that's a lot of money for a backup point guard who may or may not be in your playoff rotation, depending on, on, on who you're playing and, and how he's playing. Uh, so I, I get why teams aren't super interested because he's at the, he's at the point in his career where he could just be washed and, and be finished, right? So yeah. it, I don't think he's washed, but I, it, that salary is tough for any contender that would be in the market for him. It's just tough to squeeze $20 million into their salaries. Most of them already have like efficient payrolls where they're paying their payers appropriately. That's why they're contenders. And like, so they just don't have a player that they can dump the salary for. Maybe and, Westbrook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are they a contender though? <laughs> I would still no, say yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's a. I don't know. I wouldn't want to trade Goran Dragic for Russell Westbrook. So, don't think the Raptors are into that one. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think what you're hitting at there, Gavin, is I think it's very unlikely the Raptors get something in return for Goran Gurndjaran. Yeah. He's like he didn't show anything positive with the Raptors when he did play, and the fact that he's not playing is also kind of indicative. So, yeah, I think buyout is the most likely, uh, most likely outcome here. In which case, I think he'll be very sought after being a minimum oh, yeah. buyout guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. But it's yeah. the worst feeling in the world when your guy gets bought out, and all of a sudden they're like the bell of the ball and every other team's rushing to try and sign them. And it's, it's just frustrating as a Raptors fan, but there's not a lot of dead money out there right now in that kind of $20 million range. So it's tough to make trades. Yeah. Why, why do we think that they sent him home? Cause after he got sent home, I heard a lot of positive things for like players were talking about it because they're being asked and they had nothing but good things to say about his mentorship and like off the court stuff that he was doing to help the team. And I just don't really understand then if he's being a positive influence in the locker room, why are we sending him home? I think I think it was his move to ask to be sent home. He's like, look, I'm not playing here. Like he doesn't he doesn't I don't think he wants to be a cancer in the locker room and he doesn't want to be pouting and be upset. But, you know, at the end of the day, like he is he's been a veteran and he's played as a starter or bench player, been a key player on so many teams that just not playing for a team that's not super successful is probably really tough on him. And yeah, he's a good guy. So he wants to, you know, help players on the team. But also, you know, it's it probably he just reached his breaking point in terms of how much he could take. I have another theory. Yeah, we look at the time of year it is right now. It snowed in Toronto. He's gone. It snowed in Toronto. Goran asked to be let go. I mean, this could be a coincidence. He's from Slovenia. They get snow there. It's fine. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I'm talking about my butt. Level. (laughs) There's also rumors that that he's going that his family's going through a tough time. He's getting divorced right now. So maybe maybe he wanted to to sort of be with his family. Yeah, I'm maybe sure. watching Malachi Flynn take his minutes was just too much to handle, especially yeah. with how Malachi has been playing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess this is it for Dragic as a Raptor. Um, 
I don't know, kind of kind of sad to see that he never was able to do anything for the team. And this is kind of, I mean, I guess Precious is now the hall for for Kyle Lowry, which is, I don't know, doesn't feel amazing. Not looking like a great return we got there. No, uh, is this more or less tragic than losing Sam Decker? We've lost two players so far this season. This feels more tragic, but yeah. yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about where this team's going. So the Raptors' overall record is, I think, ten and thirteen right now. They've had a bunch of one and two weeks, and the, the like. I don't know. Just watching the games, it doesn't seem like they have anything going right now. And yeah, that's probably due to the numerous injuries that they have, OG and Cambridge, but mainly OG right now. But if this team sucks while missing one of one or two of their starters or main guys, like that's kind of an average, maybe slightly more average amount of injuries that an NBA team has, you know, can this team be anything and is it worth trying to, to keep winning in this season or should the Raptors kind of pull the plug, see what's out there for trades and try to, you know, try to get the tank uh, started a little bit earlier. Maybe you can get into the top five then. It's such a tough decision. I'm like kind of perplexed by what the Raptors should do because when I hop on my trade machine and I start trying to shop around for all the players, I just don't know if there are great deals out there for the guys we want to trade, right? I'm talking Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam primarily as the pieces that we could send out. Maybe um, Ken Birch could be another piece we could send out, but there's just not amazing stuff to get back in a lot of these places because a lot of the contenders already have strong point guards and they don't need Fred. Um, and Pascal, he's got a huge contract and maybe it's a slight negative value. Uh, it's, it's tough definitely to find. a negative value. Okay. Well, I'm high on my own players. Okay. But <laughs> it is a negative value and it's hard to find money for that in the league, unless you want to take back a Westbrook or someone like that, because there's just not a lot of dead money out there. GMs are doing really good with the contracts. So I think if I'm Bobby Webster, I'm listening on everything. I'm waiting for contenders to call and give me their pitch for some of my players. And if there's a good package out there where I can get a couple picks or some nice young players, I'm going to take them. But otherwise, I think, like, let's try to win some games and become a solid team. I think we have so many good role players on this team, so many strong defensive, long players. We could really, I think it would be beneficial to market ourselves as a team that, you know, could take the next step if we get a free agent. I mean, the Raptors are just going to be right back where they were before they traded for Kawhi, but maybe a little bit worse. Yeah, I think that's even that's a big hill to climb to get to where we were pre-Kawhi because that was a good, legitimately good team with a lot of talented players, and we're we're a long ways away from that. I'm I'm going the other direction, Gavin. I think we need to strip this team bare, go the OKC route. I see a two-year tank plan here. Next year's draft looks. Spicy. Scoot Henderson is playing in the G League right now, and he's in next year's draft. He looks like a generational talent. We should be tanking for next year. Just like get everyone off of this team except for Scotty Barnes and OG. Let's just let Malachi Flynn take the wheels for this season and next season and just be one of the worst teams in the league. And let's get two good draft picks and rebuild. Because I think we just need that talent. We this team isn't going anywhere with Pascal and Fred at the reins. But every team in the West should be wanting Fred Van Vliet because he's the Steph Curry stopper. <laughs> I think that's that's a little rich. But I think what Gavin was getting at is that part of the calculus is like, well, if you're if you're gonna tank, 
having having Fred and Pascal on your team doesn't doesn't really work with that. But mm-hmm. it is a tough trade market for those guys, right? And I'm looking at I'm looking at the standings, being like, okay, I'm going through all the teams, being like, what could they trade with? They even want this guy, want these guys, and it's just like you have to get all the way down, I think, to Portland before you're getting a team that's like. And let's talk more about Portland. Like, what's going on there? They filed, they fired Neil O'Shea. Chauncey Billups is lighting up his guys for for not giving the amount of effort that they want. They're getting, they have like one of the worst defenses in the league and they're getting absolutely slaughtered and Dame is out for, for a few weeks with his abdominal injury. So like they're, they're in a situation where maybe they panic and maybe you can get something out of them in terms of draft capital and whatnot for maybe trading Pascal for, or Fred for someone. But I don't, I mean, maybe you get CJ back, but if you do that, you're probably not getting very much. And then you're just like, I don't know who these guys can go to. And if there's if they're not going to get anything back for these guys, then what's the point of trading them? Yeah, I think it's it's challenging to find trade partners. The point of trading them is just to get worse in the short term, so you improve your draft stock. Like even if you're not getting a great haul back for them, it, but you're you don't want getting... to just give them away, right? And you have to take back matching salary, right? And those like I don't know if you look at Portland, like who is that matching salary? <laughs> It's no, it's like a combination of guys, but there are other teams. Like I think like Minnesota could be a team that could be interested in Fred D'Angelo Russell Um, for Fred. That would help the tank effort. I don't think we're getting Russell in those trades. Yeah. I don't explain too well. Um, but like the Dallas Mavericks could be desperate. Even the new Orleans Pelicans could want to do something. I mean, their GM's backs against the wall. Um, Philadelphia 76ers are always in the market to make a trade somewhere. They could really use a Fred. There's all kinds so yeah, of yeah. The, the Pelicans is a good team because you know they're they're super desperate, and Fred would really help them. So that kind of makes sense. Picks. That yeah, you could get you could get some picks back from them for for doing something there. But you know that that assumes like they're seven and eighteen, right? Like Zion yeah. is is you know every time you hear about Zion, it's him getting further and further away from playing. So it's. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough to see the Pelicans making a move until Zion's actually healthy and playing. Yeah. Until that point, they don't have any incentive to win. I don't know. I, I I don't know what the market is out there. Like, I don't know what the realistic trades are, but I think just getting any return and getting worse in the short term is beneficial for this team. Even if it's not, even if there's no trade market and you just sit them out. It's yeah, I think early in the season for that, but, but I, I think other that's kind of what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah, but just starting to like rest guys, so you only ever have let's say two of the four good players on your team playing. Right, you're probably bad enough to lose eighty percent of your games just doing that. Yeah, you could yeah, if you just played them like in terrible lineups and rested them strategically and things like this. But I don't know. I kind of I kind of want to just watch a fun team that plays aggressive defense and does something tries to make the play in and i don't think there's anything wrong with that we have scotty we have this young talent who i think is that good um we just have to wait and see what happens if the big trade comes by for a superstar that's unhappy somewhere we have the pieces to throw in if you know we can we can do something to get that talent outside of the draft because it's hard to get talent through the draft with the flattened lottery odds and like there's no guarantees you could be sacramento Sure. I just want to get Scotty a sidekick already. I'm I'm ready for the next phase of Scotty's development and getting him a co-star. <laughs> yeah, this is if you could be uh sort of do this time travel hibernating thing. 
I would just want to hibernate two years into the Raptors' future and just like skip these years because I think that they might be a little bit rough to watch. Yeah, this this certainly feels like we're entering a transition period into the Scotty Barnes era. Yeah, and uh, it's not going to be pretty, at least for a little bit. Uh, should we talk about the Raptors' uh, upcoming schedule? Yeah, so we're recording this Sunday morning. Tonight at 6 p.m., they play the Washington Wizards. Then on Wednesday, they play the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's going to be a stinker of a game. Oklahoma City is terrible. Uh, I actually want to talk about a bit more about them in a second. But then on Friday, they play the New York Knicks, which should be another good battle for the Raptors. They always seem to enjoy playing the Knicks and stopping Julius Randle. But Oklahoma City... Their tank job that they're doing is truly spectacular. They had the worst loss in NBA history, losing by 73 points this week in just like remarkable fashion. I think that was to the Memphis Grizzlies as well. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Which and, Does that make you feel better about losing to the Memphis Grizzlies? <laughs> I mean, they're fourth no. in the West. <laughs> yeah, they are fourth in the West. And they've won every single game with John Morant out. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is a secret juggernaut. Yeah, they found the secret sauce, but like what Oklahoma City is doing is kind of embarrassing because the product that they're putting on the court is just so, so bad that pretty much any game that they're in is unwatchable. Like, is I'm very curious to see on Wednesday like how many quarters I'll be able to watch of that game before turning it off. It kind of depends. If they play Shy and, and Josh Giddy and and Derek favors you know they're they're a competent team like they're bad but they're competent right when they don't play any of those guys then they're just then it's a g league team right and and yeah like, like maybe worse than a g league team <laughs> no the, the g league's pretty bad <laughs> but but yeah they're, they're they're they'd probably win the g league with that team but it's you know <laughs> it's not great right and no yeah it's pretty it is like i i don't know I'm on the fence between is this is this permissible with the flattened lottery odds? I think the consequences of losing like this might be just like so hard for your franchise to dig out of it because you have no players that have any kind of confidence or any kind of sort of role in what they do that it's hard to it's hard to build anything positive going forward. So I don't know. And your odds of getting the first pick are just not that great now. So I, I don't know if this is actually a good strategy or not. I don't even yeah, want to but... talk about this stinker. It's brutal. Like, I, I hate what they're doing. And I can't imagine. What do they think is going to happen? Like, two years from now, they're going to take Shy and Josh Giddy and maybe Dort or whatever and be like, yeah, now you have to win games, guys, after four years of just losing everything all the time and not even being competitive. It's just, it's frustrating to watch. And I don't think it's good for those players' developments at all. I think, though, this is exactly what the Raptors need to do. Maybe not quite to the same extent. But they have three or four picks in every upcoming draft. They're going to get talent to pair with their young players. And like Shy is a legit all-star level player at this point. Dort's good. They're going to get these great prospects to pair with them. And at at some point, I think this team is going to be really good. This is what like the 76ers did. And they got Embiid and Simmons. And sure, things haven't worked out amazingly. But they had the chance at least to be a contender. And Oklahoma City, I think, is going to get there as well. I think this one, is a real strategy that works. One issue that the Thunder are going to have is that because they have so many picks, unless they actually bundle them up to get sort of 
moving up in the draft or trading for players is that they're not going to have enough roster spots to to play everyone and they're going to have like a two-year turnaround time to be able to make a decision on someone for whether to keep them or not and for a lot of players that's that's not enough time to make that call so what yes while they're in a good situation going forward for acquiring talent it's it's not without uh, its challenges it's not like the philly one where they were just you know they got a couple first the first overall picks or you know super high picks and then you know they hit on those and were able to were able to turn it around I do think it's so like they don't need to be losing. They have so many picks and so many of them aren't even theirs that they don't need to be tanking this hard to be getting those players that we think are good. I, I honestly think they should just be trying to win and then adding picks as they come and bundling picks up. But they got to start trading picks soon because they're going to get leveraged out of these picks very quickly. Teams are going to know they need to trade. They need to bundle picks up. And yeah, but there's still going to be a bidding war for picks because picks always have value. I, I, I think this is just a smart strategy because I think having too many picks is not a problem. That's like, that's a good problem to have because you can always bundle them together together to move up in the lottery. Like there's all sorts of things you can do. You can decide to go all in and get a star. There's just it, they, they give you options and you want to have options as a smart team. It just gives you more possibilities for what to do with your future and they they're clearly not talented enough right now to be a playoff team. Maybe if they were playing everyone and using Shy to his full potential, they'd be sniffing the plans. Maybe, but they still have so many young players on their team that it just it makes sense to still be tanking until you think you have enough talent to start winning games. And I think they're a year or two away from that. And so I'm on board with their strategy. I think this is more what the Raptors need to be doing. Because we're going to be All stuck right. in purgatory for a long time. If I like don't. watching basketball, okay? I don't want the Raptors <laughs> to do this. I don't know yeah, what you got. Fair. I like watching the G League, so big fan of the OKC. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we talked a lot about the Thunder here, probably way more than we intended to. But the other, the other two games this week are against the Wizards and the Knicks, and they're both, I would say, like they're competent teams. They're not super talented, but they're probably better than the Raptors, and they're definitely better than the Raptors with without OG and Cambridge. So I don't know, like the, all these games are at home for the Raptors, which is nice to have like a two or three week stretch where you're at home for the entire time. Uh, but what are the Raptors chances here in this week for getting more than just the OKC win? I think it's good. I think yeah, I'd say we have a good shot of winning one of these games against New York or Washington. I mean, they're not that much better than the Raptors though. Knicks are just one spot above the Raptors in the rankings. I mean, yeah, they got rid of Kemba, and that's going to make them a much better team. But I still think the Raptors have a shot in both these games, especially when the Knicks aren't even playing a conventional point guard in their starting lineup. I mean, the trap offense is going to defense is going to work really well against them. I'm interested to see that game. And the Wizards, you know, they're good, but they're not unbeatable. I think the Raptors. I'd actually predict two and one. Bolts. Two and one, a reversal of the last few weeks where they've gone one and two. Spicy, mm-hmm. spicy. I think this is going to be one and two, but I do agree with Gavin that those games should be competitive. Neither the Wizards or the Knicks is that amazing. Bradley Beal has had a really slow start to the season and has not been shooting well at all. And so the Wizards are totally a beatable team. Same with the Knicks, but I would still favor both those teams against the Raptors. And so I'm leaning one, two, but if it's two, one, that wouldn't shock me because this Raptors team still does usually try hard and you know like anything can happen on a given night in the nba i'm an optimist 
people have accused me of being an optimist many times recently. I think the Raptors can do 0-3. I think that they can lose to the Thunder. Oh, my gosh. Really? That is a bold take. Yeah, because I think the Thunder will come in. They're going to play shy. They're going to play Josh Giddy. They're going to play Derek Favors. And then the Raptors, you know, just suddenly, oh, Freddie's out. Good luck getting any points, even against this OKC defense. The Raptors have no shot of scoring more than 80 without Freddie out there. Yeah, especially if Dort is playing, Siakam will just not do anything. That's like eight turnovers in a row waiting to happen. I don't know. Siakam was cooking Drew Holiday in the Milwaukee game. Cooking is a strong word. In the first few quarters, he was getting what he wanted. (laughs) Yeah, all those turnaround fadeaways. They're going in. (laughs) I don't know. Remember, Siakam still hasn't even been playing basketball for 10 years. (laughs) It looks like it. (laughs) Five years into his NBA career. (laughs) Not a finished product yet. He's not. He's still Uh, learning. Man's just like 28 now. Uh, But he's only nine or eight in basketball years. I mean, those high school players have been playing longer than him. Just a wee baby. Oh, yeah, man. maybe when he's 35, he'll let his prime. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. Peak Siakam. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gavin, I know something that really pissed you off happened. And let, let's talk about it here. I'm going to summarize the situation quickly. So in the offseason, as soon as the, the deadline or I guess the opening of free agency happened, immediately, like two seconds later, Wadge and Shams were tweeting Alonzo Ball to the Chicago Bulls in a sign and trade where I think New Orleans got back Sadoransky and and a pick or something like that. And then the Raptors had traded uh, Kyle Lowry to the Miami Heat in a sign-and-trade for Precious and Goran Dragic. And these were announced instantly, and these trades are obviously, you know, you can't put together a trade in two minutes. So uh, there was a lot of, I say, speculation out there that uh, these teams had been tampering with Kyle Lowry and Lonzo Ball, respectively, and it's thought out there that it was actually David Griffin that complained to the league because he wanted he wanted a shot at Kyle Lowry and he, he turned them down. And so the league did an investigation. They found both the Heat and the Bulls guilty. And the punishment that they uh, handed out was that the Heat and the Bulls are going to lose their next uh, available second round picks. And for the Heat and the Bulls, I think for the Bulls, their next... Like depending on how things go with pick swaps and how they finish in the standings and whatnot, their next available pick could be in I think 20, uh, 2018. And for the Heat, I think it might 2028? be Sorry, yeah, twenty twenty eight. And for the Heat, it might be twenty twenty six. So these picks are, you know, five years plus away potentially. And uh, what did we think of this punishment uh, and this whole process? I, I want to go to you on this one, Gavin, because I can tell you're fired up and ready to unleash. All I'm going to say is suspicions confirmed. Adam Silver has no spine whatsoever. I mean, what's the point of even having these tampering rules if we're just going to let teams do what they want about it anyways? It's like when you're drinking alcohol in public with a brown paper bag on it. As long as you cover it up, no one seems to care. And that's the same attitude that, you know, the NBA is taking on tampering. Do you have a problem with that attitude, Gavin? I don't. I mean, I think... In this case, the Toronto Raptors were completely complicit in this and facilitated this tampering almost by probably having this trade ready to go 
with the Miami Heat, having spoken to Kyle Lowry, knowing what he wanted to do and being okay with it. And I think that's just a mature way of handling a rough situation by the Raptors. Like they know the reality is that everyone's tampering and that it's going to hurt the Raptors probably more than almost any other team if it hasn't already. And they're just like, we can't do anything about it. We can't change it. So let's try to make the best of it. But it shouldn't have to be that way. If we look at the Raptors history right now, like they've been tampered out of their two best players that were on their championship team. And it's just frustrating for a Raptors fan. You know, we are not going to be able to sign free agents. You know that it's always hard for us to get players to actually want to play in their Toronto. And when we do develop stars, immediately they're getting whispers in the ears from other franchises to get taken away. And I just feel for other franchises like the Pelicans or some of these other ones that like they don't have a chance to ever put anything together because as soon as they do, someone's going to leave. I don't think you're giving enough credit to player empowerment and the players making these decisions. I really don't think like the teams are giving them the options like, Hey, yeah, we'd love to sign you if you want to come here. But at the end of the day, it's still the players call and they're making the most informed decision that they have and they're doing what they want to do. And like Kawhi, we all knew that he wanted to go to LA. I, I was hoping that winning a championship would be enough to persuade him. But at the end of the day, his family is in that area. And it's like, Sure, the Clippers tampered and they're probably giving him illegal side benefits and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, he wanted to go there and not stay in Toronto. And I I just don't think tampering really matters. Like the players are going to do what they want to do regardless. And I don't think the league should even be trying to stop tampering. I think they should just let it all be out in the open. And I'm okay with that if that's the, the direction the league wants to take. But just having these rules and then not really following through on them, not really punishing any teams for tampering at all, is it's kind of silly to me. And it does, I think, hurt the league in some ways because it does. I mean, the league's going to happen anyways because of player empowerment. Players want to play in big markets. They want endorsement checks. They want all these things. But even beyond that, like, what's the point of having a 30-team league if there's only six teams that ever have a shot, you know? (laughs) <laughs> but i don't think that's true at all again yeah these smaller the milwaukee bucks are nba champions better. <laughs> yeah they got really the, lucky with who they picked the raptors also won a championship recently the suns made the finals last year like none of these teams are what of what teams would call like the the sort of the six teams that can actually get free agents and whatnot i think it's extremely overrated in this league i think has more parity now than it ever has but i, I think if you want to compare the situation in terms of the, the punishments meted out by the league, the Milwaukee Bucks last year tried to sign Bogdan Bogdanovich and that got that got leaked like days ahead of when they could do it. And the league said, no, you're not actually you're actually not allowed to sign them. And they took away the second round pick, which is like that's a way that's a much stiffer penalty than what happened in the the Kyle Lowry Lonzo ball because those teams have them and and if we're going to talk about like maybe people don't necessarily know how much how much value a second round pick has, they can be bought for a couple million dollars. Yeah, and it's a pretty so big like, fine. Yeah, so you're you're essentially giving these teams a fine of two million dollars, but not even right now. Like we're talking years down the road when this when this will actually happen, right? So it's basically nothing. Like they're they're getting um, they're getting basically no punishment, but they the investigation did find them guilty and. I don't know. I think I think the punishment should be much more severe than this because while like the league does need to enforce its rules, but I think the league also needs to look at their rules and be like, is tampering actually a bad thing? 
and no, they should have strict rules for tampering in season because I think no one wants players being approached by other teams being like, hey, you want to play for us while they're in the season? But in the off season, absolutely, I think it's it's free game and people should be able to do whatever they want. But teams just get their players to do it anyways, right? Like you'll just mm-hmm. have your star player from your team like during games being like, yo, you should join our team next season. Like, yeah, that, like, but that's fine. That's fine. Like, I, But it, like all, to me, all this tampering stuff, like even if you make rules around it not happening this season, everything goes through the players most of the time anyways. Mm-hmm. And so it, like, it, it's all kind of just performative, meaningless stuff. Like these rules don't matter because teams are going to find ways around it. And so I think just get rid of all the rules because you can't enforce it anyways because... You just do it through your players. I, don't know, I, th- I think it's it's just I think you want in the season the players to be focused on actually playing for their team instead of their agent being like, let's th- like 10 teams have reached out to us. Let's talk about what you know, where we're going to go next season. Right. And have the players halfway at the door. No, like the, the offseason is long. There's plenty of time for that in the offseason. I don't want the league to be this all this like drama of who's moving from team to team instead of actually playing the game. I, yeah. I agree with both of you, but I think it happens regardless. I mean, teams just have their media cronies put it out in the open, like, ooh, whispers that this person might want to play here. Or like, you already hear Zion to New York Knicks, and it's not from the Knicks. It's from, you know, a reporter that's the beat reporter for the Knicks that talks to, you know. Yeah, the, the reporters are going to talk, and that's their job. But I, I think we don't want the actual team executives to be one like talking to players from other teams during the season. Right. Like I, I think that's really ugly. Yeah. I, I don't feel super strongly about it, but I get where you're coming from. I also think most players generally have a level of professionalism where they don't want to worry about these things during the season. And, and they know that the off season is long as well. And so they're like, I'm going to deal with all this in the off season and not think about it right now because I have a season to play. I think that happens a lot too, but at the end of the day in this case i was just upset because you have the smoking gun here it's dead to rights and like here's an opportunity for the raptors to actually get something and kind of get some payback for you know like having steam balmer sit in courtside and like make (laughs) eyes at Kawhi leonard all year and then um, kyle lowry knowing he's going to miami and possibly like busting up trades for philly or whatever was happening in the back room at that time and I don't know. I just felt like it was an opportunity and I'm surprised the fan base isn't more upset about it because this seems like the kind of thing a casual fan would be pretty mad about, but it didn't seem like it got any kind of, there was no hullabaloo. Yeah. Cause this. Kyle, Kyle wanted to leave and it's yeah. like the tampering was just him figuring out where he wanted to go before, before the rules said he could. Right. But yeah, I don't know. He, he yeah. wanted to leave and I think the Raptors fans wanted him to be happy. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I found it impossible to get angry at this because this was Kyle's decision at the end of the day and Kyle's earned the right to decide where he played next. And it's just like, okay, this was the decision and we have to swallow the lump of getting a suboptimal return for him. But he, Spineless. he earned the right. Spineless. spineless. Yeah, I, I'm, I agree with that. I think Silver it was a bit spineless here. I think should have been a first. Yeah, I, the I first think should go to the team that was harmed. So the Raptors get first. the Raptors were not harmed here. Do yeah. the Raptors get the second? I think they do, right? No, they just lose no. it. It just they disappears. Just and so like one last person doesn't get drafted. That's yeah, that's that people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 It actually just hurts prospects. Yeah. No, getting drafted late in the second round does not matter. You're almost better <laughs> off signing as an unrestricted free agent with the team. But yeah. Anyways. Okay. 
we've talked we've talked uh, enough about this. We have an email. Uh, it says Scotty Barnes' defense has not lived up to the hype. He constantly gets blown by and loses his man. Should I be worried about his defense in the long term, or are my expectations too high for our wonderful beloved rookie? Take this one, Ben. This is kind of tough. I I am concerned about his defense, but long term, he's just so physically gifted that it's tough to imagine him not figuring things out on the defensive end. Because I think most of it is low-hanging fruit, where it's just understanding matchups better, understanding positioning and like some of the defensive footwork. And then the off-ball stuff, just being aware of where players want to be going to and like when to help. It's just things that you can learn and it's not physical limitations. And so, and he, he's just demonstrated that he's a pretty smart player. Like offensively, he's a good passer. I think he understands the game pretty well. It's just the defense is moving too fast for him. And I think historic, like in college and high school and stuff like that, he, could just get by on being this athletic monster and now all of a sudden he's like okay everyone else is also really athletic and they're just a step faster than i'm used to and it's just adapting to that so long term i'm not worried but certainly it's been an underwhelming start on the defensive end for him my take on it he sucks on defense but we don't need to be concerned but i do think the raptors need to hold him more accountable for some of the sloppy and lazy plays that he makes like in the milwaukee game there was two drives that Chris Middleton had one-on-one with him where he just kind of like little jab step right around him to the baseline layup twice in a row with very little, like almost no resistance. Mm -hmm. And for me, Scotty has to do better than that. This isn't Donovan Mitchell, like threatening you with a three pointer and then bursting by you. It's Chris Middleton. Okay. Scotty has the strength, the size and the speed advantage against Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton wasn't doing any tricks to try and get by him. It was just a straight drive. And it happened twice in a row on almost identical plays. And this is consistently happening for him. He gets beat by just non-athletic players and he can't recover often. So it it just bothers me. And I think as far as what you were saying, Ben, like he's going to learn some of these things. But I think the Raptors need to start saying, look, if you're not doing what we tell you to do, you're going to be on the bench. Because so many times, like in the pick and roll, he just forgets to pick up the like roll man and just stands out at the three point line for an easy dime for the other team to a dunk. Like that happened and Drew Holiday dimed up the, I don't even remember how to say his name, but so many times because Scotty just got lost on the play and then he gets beat on the perimeter nonstop and he never rotates over to help. It's very frustrating to watch just this massive hole in our defense and when it should be a strength. It has been pretty consistent all season. There are points when, he gets more locked in and like really gets engaged and has some really good one-on-one defense, but it, it definitely isn't consistent. And even like there was a play in transition against Milwaukee too, where he was the last man back and he was just like trotting back and he just totally missed a leak out guy. And Fred had to sprint back and ended up following the guy for an and one, but it was like totally Scotty's bad because he was supposed to be the last one back and just like, he's just gets caught sleeping and it's like, kind of like he goes on autopilot a lot of the mm-hmm. time, I feel like, and it just it hasn't been great so far. But got to hold him accountable. Hold him accountable. Like bench him when he makes these misplays. Don't just leave him out there. Put Wantanabe in and show him like, look, like you can play more like this guy. He's a he's just playing smarter. Wantanabe plays better on defense than Scotty. I think, but Scotty's doing so many positive things as well. 
Yeah, I think you can't bench him because you'd just be making your team worse at this point, playing guys that, that literally can't do anything. And better players in this team is winning. Absolutely bench Scotty when you when he makes mistakes. But right now, I think that's just unreasonable because he makes too many good plays on the other end. And I'm even on defense, he he it's just the the consistency is not there. But the potential sometimes he makes the the right reads and he's in the right place at the right time. Sometimes he plays great one on one D. It's just so inconsistent. But I think you can see the flashes of it when he does do it right. That it is really good, and it, it's just the consistency, the practice, the reps uh, that he needs. So, I, I'm in favor of of playing him through his mistakes. I'm not saying like take him out and never put him back in. Just like when he makes something, time out, take him off the court. Two minutes later, you can get him back in there when you need to. But just like someone needs to say, "Hey, you messed up there. You should do this instead next time," and talk him through because he needs to learn. I'm sure that like the I'm tape sure sessions are. Yeah. are wild for him, but they'd be so long. Because there's like yeah. 20 of these things every game. <laughs> yeah. I think if you're the coaching staff, you just try to focus on on sort of getting improving some of the fundamentals and, and whatnot. You can't you can't fix everything right now. But uh I, I mean the Raptors do take him out. Like when he he threw, he made a couple sloppy turnovers right in back to back possessions, benched, right? It's it's not like they are holding him accountable. I think I think what they're doing with Scotty is absolutely right. And it's just this is the the trials and tribulations of playing a rookie like top 20 minutes yeah. in the league, right? Like he, people, <laughs> people forget that. Like he's one of the, the minutes leaders in the league, let alone for rookies. Right. So I yeah, also yeah. want to say I would trade yeah. these defensive mishaps for the offense that we're seeing every single time. Like if, if yeah. I had known this was going to be the case, I would take this scenario over the, like one we thought we were going to get, which is a guy who couldn't shoot was kind of a zero on offense, but good defense. I, I think this, he has way more potential the way he's looking, especially the threes. Like, yeah, yeah. Scotty shooting incredible. threes on on good percentages and high volume is is revolutionary for this offense because that means you can you can play four out, five out. That means you can play Ken Birch and and still have a functional offense, right? He so went, for, for his career, it's it's so so key. In Boston, he went four for nine, and then the next two games, he went three for six. Like these are yeah. amazing percentages. Yeah. yeah, and the way he's shooting too, it's not just that he's taking the shots. He's shooting with zero hesitation. He's taking them quickly, stepping into them. Like the confidence that we're seeing him shoot with is a lot different than earlier in the season. And it just feels like his game is growing before our eyes. And I don't I don't know if these percentages are sustainable. It's just the way he's shooting is has changed over the course of the season. And it's really exciting to see. Yeah. And just to be clear, like most of these are like, you know, him standing in the corner, standing at the arc, just catching and shooting. Right. It's not a lot of it is sort of breaking guy down off the dribble and then doing a step back three. Right. But just him being able to be a spot up shooter is so key because that means you can, you can have the spacing and, and have him play off the ball. And then also as a, as an, as an on ball guy, you know, he can do a pick and roll where he passes and then gets the ball back and shoots. And it just opens everything up for this team. Yeah. And I want to see more of Scotty on ball because his passing is legitimately good. And he's one of the few good passers on this team. And I always feel like he's making good decisions with the ball. It's just sometimes he's a bit passive about asserting himself and kind of demanding the ball. There's like a lot of points where he's just kind of goes to the corner and lets Siakam and Fred handle the offense. And I honestly think they need to be more intentional about getting him involved. I think I think what they're doing right now is is just it's great. I think as the season goes along and he gets more comfortable and, and sort of has more ideas about what he can and can't do, 
I think we're going to see more of Scotty on the ball, especially if they go down the tanking route, whereas then it'll just be yeah. like get Scotty 20 shots and, and, you know, have him have the ball be in his hand every possession. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what they're doing right now, I think is, is perfect for him. He's getting a ton of minutes. He's getting a ton of experience and he's sort of learning what he can and can't do without all the pressure of it all being on him. Yeah. I'm ready for 20 shots a game, Scotty already. I'd like to see them like use him as a role man and then have him pass out of it. Like, I think that would be the, great, yeah. very effective. One of the problems is though is that the Raptors don't have a good pick and roll player as a ball handler to do ah, that. Valid point. <laughs> yeah, slight slight setback. Yeah, maybe we had Goran Dragic. <laughs> Let's bring him back. Great pick and yeah. roll player. Can you? After you've bought someone out, can you sign them? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, absolutely not. That'd be so bad. Is Fred going to be an all-star this year? Absolutely not. Zero I think there's a case chance. for him, Aaron. Why Why are you saying what absolutely the case? not? There's a, definitely a case. Okay. The Raptors stink. Why Why do they deserve an all-star? He's he... <laughs> 20 points a game, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, efficient shooting, plus 22 differential per 100 possessions that's near the tops in the league like he's an excellent defender on top of being a good offensive player he's an excellent defender like he is legit i think he legitimately has all-star caliber stats it's just the team is not good enough but like i don't know if that should hold him back because he's definitely playing winning basketball it's not empty calories stuff that he's doing and so I, I think he has a legitimate case. I just don't so think he's actually going to make it. But he's he's not going to get the fan vote, right? And yeah. I don't think I like. Yes, he puts up the numbers because he plays the most minutes in the league, right? And this offense sucks. And part of that is his fault. Yes, he is. He's right now one of the only competent players in it, right? But he's he really struggles at shot creation for other guys, and he has the ball in his hands all the time. And the Raptors' offense sucks. And yeah, it's not it's not his fault per se, but he's also not able to lift it. And I think I think other coaches look at the Raptors and be like, yeah, their offense sucks. Yeah, Freddie's a good player, but I don't think they look at him as an all star. It's challenging. I think there's so many things that I think would have Fred be an all star. If they were 500, I'd say he's a shoe in. He's ranked as the fifth player based on the Raptor stat. On 5:30, the fifth best player in the league. He leagues the lead in minutes. He's the only one who seems to be generating any offense for this squad. He does a lot, and I think he's deserving of the spot. But it's going to be tough if the team is going to start going down the tank train pretty quickly. If they can pull back to 500, maybe OG comes back. They pull back to 500. I think he's got a, a really good shot. I just, I just think like you're more likely to get like Demar and Zach Levine in there, right? Like. James Harden, right? Like these these are the guys that are more that are gonna be all-stars, not not Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, I think there's a lot of I, I like I think realistically he's not gonna make the team. I just think he has a real case because of how well he's played on both ends of the floor. It's like he, he would be near the end of the like end of the bench for the all-stars for sure, but I don't know, like analytically, he's like his stats are fantastic and he has been more efficient than he was last season while having this crazy burden because the offense stinks without him. Like there is no one else that really can do anything and he's still a really good player. But is he, is he going to make the all-star team? Well, let's take a look. Let's look. 
Let's count up how Lamello many guard Ball, spots are there. We Trey Young. Harden, Trey Young. DeMar DeRozan. Zach Levine. Uh, Zach Levine. Uh, does Kyle Lowry beat Fred for a spot? I don't uh, think I he should. He... I think he should. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, guard forward there. Nah, he's going to get a forward spot. Yeah, I don't know. Lamello I think there's about Ball seven players certainly... maybe ahead of him. Seven players. I, yeah. I don't think Lamelo Ball should be ahead of him. I'll say that. Darius Garland. No. Brad Beal. No. Like, Bradley yeah, Beal should not be ahead of him as well. Darius Bradley Beal has not been good. But like, I don't know, Darius Garland probably has a better shot because Cleveland's a winning team right now. The numbers I, aren't there. I don't think so. Like, it's, I think everyone would say that Fred is a better player than Darius Garland right now. Yeah. Like The fan vote's going to be on like Fred's side for sure in that matchup too. Well, I, I think it's all going to be a coach's decision. I think coaches have a lot of respect for Fred because they know how good he is on both ends. Like I think the defensive part of this is a bit underrated. Fred is one of the best guard defenders in the league. And so like that should factor in. That should matter. It, well, it usually doesn't for all-star consideration, but... Drew Holiday is going to be ahead of him too. That's another person. Yeah, he's had a rough start to the year, but you know, there's like... I don't know, 15 more games until the All-Stars you know, starts happening. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm not optimistic. I don't think the Raptors deserve one. And I think if it was, if Fred did get in there, it would be at least during conference All-Star. But it's not. We're the better conference now. It's, yeah, it's always going to be at least during conference All-Star. <laughs> as soon as DeMar comes back to the East, he's back in the All-Star mix. <laughs> yeah. That's how it works. Me. I mean, he is having a legitimately great year. Like, I think he's totally deserving, but yeah. Uh, no, I don't right, think he'll you... make it either. So, yeah. Hey, if you have any Raptors. thoughts, any kind of opinions you want to share with us, email us at raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com. That's raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com. Have a good week, everyone. Uh-huh.